Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold, segment number two of three. If you were keeping score at home, I'm Jeff Nowak at Jeff underscore Nowak on Twitter. He's Steve Geller, WWL on Twitter. He's also Steve Geller in real life. And you can follow Inside Black and Gold on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. So check that out. Um, But in this segment, I want to get into, you know, could take a deep dive into Derek Carr in his press conference. So I went ahead and I, and I trimmed it down to about 10 minutes. He talks a lot. That's one thing we're learning about Derek Carr. He does not do short press conferences. I guess he would if we didn't ask any questions. But at the same time, I think maybe he wouldn't. Maybe if we didn't ask him any questions, he would just start talking because that guy talks. That guy is interesting when he talks. You know, we, <laughs> I think one of the reasons Andy Dalton had short press conferences last year is because he had nothing interesting to say. But, you know, when you ask him questions, he gives you real answers. And I, I, I feel like I learn stuff when he talks, you know, and it kind of reminds me of the Drew Brees press conferences where like, you know, I will ask him legitimate like strategy type questions and he will give you actual answers where you kind of actually get something out of it. And I don't think that's true of every quarterback. Um, and, you know, you, he like he got asked about John Gruden. And in a lot of cases, you could probably say, you know, he, he'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah. He gave a legitimate answer and, you know, you, you're like, okay, cool. You know, and, and I don't think, I, I, I don't think I, I won't take that for granted because, you know, that's just, it's one of the few opportunities you have to get actual insight into what's going on on the field beyond what you are seeing from someone who's actually doing it. And, you know, I think it, he's interesting to listen to and I've appreciated it thus far. Totally agree with that. You know, obviously, you know, we get to deal with a bunch of, press conferences from coaches, players kind of deal. And typically you get a lot of player speak, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Uh, Last season, Andy Dalton, you're right. It it was not particularly interesting. You have very vanilla, bland answers, and maybe that's just Andy Dalton. But, yeah, I've, I've found Derek Carr to be way more interesting, getting to learn obviously more about him and hearing him talk. Yeah, you're right. You feel like you're learning stuff as well. I totally appreciate it and it doesn't feel like he's giving you that standard answer it's really coming from the heart or just you know speaking from his mind it's not it's not rehearsed yeah and i think like there's there's a lot of different ways you could talk to the media like so some guys are very cliche driven like mike thomas i thought yesterday very cliche driven and that's fine you know like it's just you know, it's part of the job and you do it and some people 
do it differently than others. I think Derek answers questions the way he does because he doesn't know any other way. And I felt that way about Drew too. Like Drew is just his, 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 the way his brain worked is he's just trying to answer questions. It's how he plays, right? Like he sees something, he's coming up with an answer and he's delivering it. And, you know, you kind of get the same impression from Derek and it's almost to a fault at times, I think, you know, like I don't think he's necessarily always wanting to give that much information away, but sometimes he does. Uh, Sean was like that too. Sean was very much like he was very guarded until you kind of got him going, until you kind of got him in storytelling mode. And then he would tell you stuff that he probably shouldn't say. Like, you know, you got a Walmart greeting job available for you if you keep throwing interceptions, which is what he said about the backup quarterback for the Broncos. (laughs) Like, probably thinks about that afterward being like, you know what, probably shouldn't have said that. But, you know, when you are getting him going and you're hearing something, he will give you those nuggets of information. Like, uh, who was it? Jack Jeff Driscoll? I think the quarterback, uh, either way. Um, oh, the so back of Denver? Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, know offhand, honestly. I couldn't tell you. But either way, like I think that's kind of what we're getting with Derek Carr. I'm looking forward to during the season, knowing that this is how he operates. You know, I think those post-game press conferences are going to be very, very intriguing to listen to. And and we'll see. But here's that clip from Derek Carr. It's about 10 minutes long to – for. For a disclaimer, like the recording we got does not really include the questions. So I'm going to go through and prop up the questions. I'm not the one asking the questions, so I'm not going to phrase it as a question, but I'm kind of going to explain what he's going to be talking about, play the clip, and then kind of go from there. So if you're confused, this is not how the actual press conference went. I have kind of doctored this a bit so that you're not constantly guessing what Derek's talking about as it's going through because it's not always easy to mic up the person asking the question and the person answering the question. So without further ado, here is that Derek Carr presser from the final open practice of organized team activities. If we ever miss something, like, I don't care if it's pass interference, which, you know what I mean? Like it might've been, <laughs> I'd like to, I like talking trash. Uh, you know, like no matter what, if we don't hit it, I, especially you probably won't see it a lot, but during the season, you know, training camp, you know, we're trying to get all the reps in. There's a lot of time, time restriction, all that. Um, but if I can try and fit it in right then, I'd try and get that rep again. So I, that's just something I've always done. Uh, if I can't do it right then, it's, it's after practice. I already, the wideouts know if, hey, if we miss anything, you know, if there's something, I want you to remind me after practice because I'm going to be there to work. Come, come find me. And if, you know, a young guy forgets, I'll throw it to somebody else, you know. Uh, but it's, it's, it's getting those reps again to where it just, nope, I feel perfect. I feel great about it. So then on Sunday, no, I've done it. I've already done it. I've already corrected it, you know. And, again, you try and complete them all, um, which has never been done, you know. But you try your best to do it. And so uh, it's always striving for that perfection is what I believe in. And knowing that you'll probably never, never get there, but, you, you know, you're going to wake up every morning and try. Here, Derek Carr was asked about what his expectations are for the preseason in the Saints, whether he expects to play, wants to play, et cetera. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I've, you know, this will be 10 years of, you know, football and live bullets. And so I I haven't played much in the preseason before. Um, I think maybe with Gruden, one or two total series in four years. Um, There were some, you know, um, times that I didn't play at all in the preseason. And we'd still, you know, play good in the first couple of weeks. So it, it proved to me that, you know, if you practice the right way and you do things with those like joint practices, I don't know if we have them or not, but if whenever you have those, like those are, those are better than preseason reps because you actually get, they actually show stuff. You know, they show the pressures, they show different coverages rather than what they show in the preseason, you know? And uh, so that's just how it's been. Now, if they want me to play, I, I'm not against playing. I, 
anytime I have the opportunity to put, put that jersey on and it's a blessing to walk out on that field. So if they need me to play, I'll play. You know, you only play 30 plays, I'll play 30 plays. You only play a whole half, I may question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, but I'll play. You know, it's like I'm never going to, you know, feel like I, I don't need it. You know, I'll, if you need me to play it, I think the coaches will probably want me to, probably want to see me, you know, throw a couple in their jersey, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we'll see. We haven't even talked about it, if I'm honest. But if I play, awesome. If not, we'll make sure we're ready to go on week one. Here's Derek Carr talking about a portion of the Saints practice on Tuesday where all three quarterbacks just kind of broke off and worked individually with Michael Thomas, which is kind of an unusual situation. Yeah, so like I was going over certain plays, like just new plays for me and uh, just getting used to throwing all those reps. And so he was spotting up those routes for me, just where he would be and in the same spot. So also he can come out of the break and see, you know, it's funny to say, but not all quarterbacks throw the same type of ball. You know, some come out a little different. You know, the spin is different. So just so he can get used to, you know, catching those things um, from all different kind of route and angles and things like that. As we all probably know by now, John Gruden visited the Saints earlier this offseason to sit with coaches and staff and quarterbacks and go over some of the things he knows about Derek Carr. And this is the first time we have heard Derek Carr address it. So here it is. I can't express enough, you know, how much I love, you know, Coach Gruden. You know, he's he's family to me. Um, you know, when all that you know stuff happened, it was hard. It was hard for me because um, you know, you, you're mad, you're frustrated, um, but you know, you still stop. You don't stop loving him. You know, uh, you know, I love that man and what he's meant to me in my career. Um, played my best football with him, and uh, you know, I admire him. You know, I've I've seen him around his kids. You know, I've seen him around Cindy, you know, uh, his wife, you know, I, I know who he is, you know, and I, you know, love him deeply like family. So, you know, I can't express to you how much that, uh, how much he means to me, you know, and how hard of a time that was for me uh, when all that stuff was happening. So, um, you know, I, the fact that I got to see him again, you know, give him a hug, like, it was like, you know, he's saying, I'm finishing this sentence, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff. It just comes back just like that. You know, he's like, what was this play? And I, you know, I could spit it out just like it was yesterday. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, what what could have been? You know, you think about those times. You know, what could have been and all those kind of stuff. But I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful that I got to see him. You know, wearing our colors. You know, it was uh, neither of us thought a couple years ago that we'd be doing that, but here we are. And uh, you know, it's pretty pretty special to have him around. Um, you know, to have you know couple of my head coaches DA and grew in the same rooms awesome because they both know me and you can hear them just you know communicate and you know things like that is pretty cool and here's Carr giving some specifics on you know what John Gruden influences with a Derek Carr Mike Thomas Chris Olave offense might look like yeah like all speed option triple option wing T no <laughs> um, you know I it, it's just another great, great football mind you know um, and I just thought it was cool. Like, you know, I've always believed this. You know, Coach Olson, you know, Greg Olson taught me this. Oli, I, I was going to say Oli. I didn't know if y'all knew that. Um, but Oli always said to me, he's like, I, and I always say it, it's like it's not about, you know, who's right. It's about what's right. And so anytime you can just gain more information, I, I, if, if you throw 100 things at me but only one thing stick, well, one thing got me better, you know. Um, and so, you know, having all those minds in the room, it's just cool to listen and just have that football communication, that talk, you know. When you're in a room with people that love the game the same way and see it the same way, you know, a lot of people love football, but not everybody sees it the same way. You know, trust me, you know, uh, you know we, we don't all see it the same way. But when you do see it the same way, it's fun to be in that room 
because I feel like that everyone could be at their best. You know, everyone's ideas make sense to each other. Everyone's receiving, you know, ideas, even if it's new. Um, and it, it was just cool to just sit there and enjoy enjoy the time, you know, enjoy being around each other. Here's Derek addressing, you know, all of what happened in 2020, how it affected the team, that sort of thing. You know, I, I tried my best. You know, we had a lot going on. Um, you know, if you didn't know, everyone could look up that season. We had a lot of stuff happen and uh, with our football team. And, and my, my mentality with all of it from a football aspect was nobody cares. You know, they don't, nobody cares what, I, what I'm dealing with. Nobody cares what, what just happened with our team. We got to go win football games. So I really didn't get time to process anything. But during that, I was like, you know what? I have two choices. I can either be mad about it or I can choose to love them. And yes, I can be mad at certain things that were said or certain things that were done or decisions that were made. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Like my choice was I was gonna love them because if no one else was, I was gonna love them. If nobody else was gonna love them, no one else was gonna put their arm around them, I'm gonna be the one that put my arm around them because maybe 10 years down the road, they remember that and I can help them somehow, you know. And uh, you know, I'm not just talking about Gruden, there was a lot, a lot of stuff that was happening. So, um, so for me, like after games, like, I remember I threw a touchdown on a certain play against the Eagles and me and Gruden were neighbors and I came home and he was still living there at the time and I I walked over to his house and I was like, hey, that was your play, T96, blah, blah. He was like, what? And you know, you, know, you could see it's just the emotion on his face, you know. I wanted him to still feel a part of it, you know, because I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for him. And so um, I just tried to, even when things aren't perfect, you still try, I, at least I try my best to continue to love you know, the people that I'm called to love, you know, and give them everything that I have. And so it didn't, it didn't necessarily change. I, I just, I just knew that he wasn't, he wasn't my coach, you know, at that time anymore. And that was hard. And here's more on how the decision got made to bring Gruden in the first place. They had mentioned it. Um, obviously like, do you like him? You know, like, you know, that, yeah. Um, but, uh, but that was all, that was all DA and the coaching staff, like, and Mickey and those guys, like that's, that wasn't, that wasn't me. You know, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I played my best football for him, you know. So if anybody, I, I trust me, I spent a lot of time with him. And so if anybody, anybody knows me, uh, knows things about me that I don't know, he would know it. You know, him and him and Ole and Johnny Moe, they, they would know out of anybody in the world. So, um, you know, those guys, because of the most, it was the most recent also. You know, I've grown so much since a few years before that, you know. So, um, you know, I think that that would, from a football aspect, just trying to get, you know, that next day, you don't want to start down here. You know, what, what's another step we can take on understanding Derek during the game? They can ask questions that I can't answer. You know, how's Derek react after this? Or how's he do You know, I can't. I'm going to think I'm going to answer it right, but Guru will tell the truth. <laughs> All right, so that was that was Derek Carr on Tuesday. That was, that was about 10 minutes more of that interview that I cut out. I played a good bit of it yesterday, so I cut out the parts about him talking about Mike Thomas. He obviously did talk a good bit about Mike Thomas. But if you want to hear that, you can go check it out in uh, the Wednesday morning edition of the podcast. But I do want to get into a bunch of the other stuff he said. And I thought that the Eric McCoy parts of his answers were interesting because one of the differences we're going to see this year compared to last year is Derek Carr is going to be setting the protections. Derek Carr is going to be the one pointing out the mic and, and setting the mic and setting you know how the, how the offense is going to operate. Uh, and the protection is going to operate. But Eric McCoy is still kind of in that mode of calling out the protections because that's what he's done. And when Derek said, it's like, well, at least he's right. <laughs> I guess it's not a bad thing if he's right. Um, but that is kind of kind of fun. And he also pointed out that Eric McCoy is 
very effort driven. Um, and he pointed out that, you know, he's going through film talking about how, you know, he's sent a clip to Eric McCoy of him getting downfield and, and blocking and said, you know, if everyone plays like this, we're going to win a lot of games. And, uh, you know, he obviously does that all the time. So, you know, it's not something that you're going to talk a lot about. But Eric said that the clip he sent was from 2020. And I'm pretty sure that the clip we're talking about is the one against the Packers with Alvin <laughs> Kamara on that 50-yard run where Alvin's basically jogging. And Eric is is full <sighs> sprint out in front of him, <laughs> plowing the road. Because, yeah, I think if you saw that, if you're a quarterback – and you saw that type of effort, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm encouraging this. And that's what Derek has been doing to this point is watching film, kind of learning about the players he's going to be now teammates with. And then as he sees stuff, and he's mentioned this in his in the previous press conferences, he's sending clips to them and saying, yes, do this. This is great. We want to keep doing this. He's not sending the don't do this clips yet. <laughs> but I think that's a good example of that. And it's also a good example of something that Eric, what makes Eric McCoy such a great player beyond just being a good center is he does get downfield. He does block. He does plow the road. That Alvin Kamara touchdown doesn't happen if he's not there. You know, it's still like a 20, 30-yard run, but it, it's a touchdown because of the effort Eric McCoy made to get downfield. So I don't think that's – I don't think we're overselling that to, at, at all. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. No, and I mean, that makes me smile thinking about that play. We just, we didn't see any of that kind of last season. I felt like, uh, especially from Alvin, unfortunately, the, those big explosive plays kind of deal. And uh, that that definitely needs to return this season, obviously. But yeah, with Derek Carr, you know, hearing him too, there's there's just something about his presence as well that's, I don't know, very relaxing or you kind of yeah. like lean in a little more to, to hear what he's got to say kind of thing. Yeah. He's the type of guy that when he's talking to a room of people, you feel like he's talking directly to you. And, and I don't know how to quantify that, but it's very true. Like he does, he makes you feel like it's all just a group of friends talking. Um, right. And in those press conference settings, I know like people listening probably haven't been in them, but it's not always like that. You know, it's a lot of times it's combative. A lot of times it's people like not really listening to your question and answering it anyway. And it's, and it's like everyone does it differently. I think quarterbacks have to be trained a little bit in that regard because they have to do it all the time. And so yeah. it's a lot more noticeable. Like if I, I talked to Jordan Howden in the locker room after the second set of OTAs, and, you know, it's like he's a rookie. It was very clear that he's still kind of figuring out how to do this. You don't really have to do that in college, especially as a safety. You're not talking to the media that much. And so you're kind of learning. As a quarterback, you have to do it at least once a week every post game like you better get good at it otherwise it's going to be very clear and it's going to 
reflect on you and people are going to be like, well, why do you say this? Why do you say that? This is awkward. Oh, no. What does this mean? You know, you got to be good at it. And he, he is good at it. And as I mentioned before, we, we listened to that. I thought the John Gruden answer. I mean, he could have given you a PC like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He did it. And, you know, he, he went into it and he explains like, yes, I don't hate the guy. You know, and, and he mentioned that that season for the Raiders was very rough. It was also the Henry Ruggs season where he he got arrested for, you know, I think it was uh, involuntary manslaughter or like, you know, whatever. He, he hit someone's car. Uh, it, it's a whole ordeal. I'm not going to lay it out here. You can go look it up if you want more details. But, yeah, that was a trying season for that team. And at the time, it, he talked to me. He said a lot of the same things, which is like, I'm not here to be the, the the judge and jury of this situation. I'm here to, you know, love people. And, you know, I think that's a that's an interesting approach. He also pointed out that it was not him asking for them to bring John Gruden in. It was the front office and the coaching staff who organized that and, and brought him in. And one other thing he said was if anybody knows something about Derek that he doesn't know himself, it would be John Gruden. And that alone should be a good enough answer for like, was it worth bringing in John Gruden and maybe courting some of the chaos that ensued? Yes, because he does have that information and you can hear the way Derek talks about it. Like he did feel like that. He, he said he played his best football. Like we've all kind of said he played his best football under John Gruden. I think it means a lot more when the guy himself says that he was the best version of himself as a football player under John Gruden. So, you know, I like I was interested to hear his kind of take on that situation and, you know, I, we, I was not shortchanged because I thought that was an excellent answer from him. No, that was definitely one when it was asked. You're like, ooh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. Because it's a little uncomfortable, not a great, you know, obvious situation. What happened with John Gruden and his departure from the NFL? So it was a little uncomfortable, but the way Carr talked about it made it a lot more relatable, uh, made it more, a, a more of a comfortable topic to discuss. And, yeah, I, I mean, it was good to hear that side of it because there has there has been a lot of negative buzz around Gruden coming to visit the Saints. He hasn't been hired, uh, and and I get it from folks. It, it wasn't. It's not an easy topic to talk about. But uh, with his what happened in the past there with the emails or whatever, they were just mining his knowledge of Derek Carr and that offense. Where, like you said, he had it was the best version of himself. So. Why wouldn't you get more detail and want to implement that in your system kind of thing? It's not anything where the Saints are taking on John Gruden's uh, past doings kind of thing. I, I don't know. It's all in all an awkward situation that I feel I'm glad it's not co something that's constantly ongoing that we have to answer to. Like Gruden's in the building yeah. all the time. By the time training camp starts, it will be a topic that everyone's like, oh, remember when everyone was talking about John Gruden for like three days? Um, you know, I, I think we're going to move on. But, yeah. you know, and, and it probably sounds like I'm kind of geeking out about Derek Carr and all of these podcasts. And trust me, that was not the goal when I started this whole OTA process. Like, I was just curious, but I've just been impressed. I mean, everything he has done, he's looked sharp, right? He looks, he looks like a guy who did not just show up. You know, you see those videos from Bucks training camp of of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask just oh. airballing receivers, right? And it's like that's just not something we have seen. Like balls have hit the ground in at Saints camp, but you know, it's still been like, okay, yeah, that was a that was a good read. It was a good throw. He's he's handled it well. He talks like a guy who's been here forever. He 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 presents himself as a leader. 
you can tell that his teammates see him that way and believe in him that way already. I mean, like it, I, I know this is overhype season. This is when you get way too excited about stuff when you're seeing everyone on the field in shorts looking great because they're all professional athletes as they should. Uh, and you're talking, you suddenly talk yourself into two or three more wins than maybe you thought. But like, if you were wondering whether the, the stumbling block was going to be Derek Carr and the way he acclimated to this city and system and team and roster, I think that question's been answered. I, I really do. Yeah, I would say the comfort level has been super high. The, the, the transition here uh, all around for Carr has been seamless. And I'm, I'm with you, too. It's like you don't want to blow things way out, of, way out of proportion. But, I mean, it's been nothing but positive, glowing reviews so far. Obviously, mandatory mini camps upcoming. And then the big boy when training camp comes on, you know, when the pads are on and everything's going on, we'll see more from it. But. Yeah, Derek Carr has done everything and more right now of what you've wanted from a new quarterback coming into this system and taking over as the leader uh, of your squad. And, yeah, just when you're looking forward to his press conference kind of thing, it's like, oh, great, he's talking today. That's already a bonus because, yeah, like I said last year, the the Andy Dalton sessions weren't too very too entertaining or even uh, you didn't gain anything out of them as a reporter. Yeah, and I, and I, I look forward to his press conferences. Um, the same way I look forward to like an Alvin Kamara press conference. Like you know you're going to get content as, as a reporter. You know you're going to get something that you can sink your teeth into, and that's not this. That's not something you could save everybody. Um, one thing I do want to mention before we get out of here, and I don't think I gave it enough due yesterday, is you talking about Derek Carr looks sharp in training camp. Jameis Winston, I thought, had an excellent day uh, in the seven on sevens. He went four for four with three touchdowns and another completion, which would have been like down to the one. And he looked good. Like he looks like he's on point. And, you know, I don't think he's going to, it's not going to, it's not a competition in camp between him and Derek Carr. But I think it is a competition to some extent between him and Jake Hayner as you kind of say, okay, you know, where, where's the backup? And I think Jake has looked fine, but Jameis. I think, you know, when you're talking about the the quality of backup quarterbacks across the NFL, and I've said this, I think the Saints probably have the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And if you, you know, we've seen it, right? We've seen Trevor Simeon start games. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater start games. We've seen Taysom Hill start games. We've seen Andy Dalton start games. What are the odds that you go 17 games this season and Jameis doesn't get on the field? Feels slim. So, you know, that's something that, you know, you could say, oh, who cares? But, you know, a guy who's been in the offense for four seasons now and, and, understands the schemes and can do it on you know as as a reflex that's a luxury and he looks locked in right now so that's yeah and obviously obviously with him he talked about too when we got to speak with Jameis about the fact that he's preparing the same way whether he's the starter or the backup just getting ready to be ready whenever called upon and yeah it's a great point of the fact that we're not seeing him lumbering at all there's not any kind of gimp to his step he seems to be fully healed at least I know he talked about there's still some things he's trying to get back from but overall he, he doesn't look like he's struggling on the field that like like we saw in the past no and then so the to, to back that up the 11 11s he had four reps one was a run there was a false start but I think it was on the center he made he completed two balls to Malik Flowers which is good to see him getting in into the action and uh, one was for a touchdown it might have been out of bounds but it was still a good throw 
Like the only question was whether Malik made the wide receiver play of getting your feet inbounds. It was a it was a dart to the back of the end zone as the play kind of broke down. And then the incompletion was a back shoulder throw to A.T. Perry, which we've talked about. It's not really doing the job there right now. So I, and I don't think there was the issue was the throw. Um, just like Jay Kaners, I don't think the issue was the throw. But either way, I'm happy to see him, you know, kind of putting his flag in the ground and being like, no, this is I, I'm owning this backup role because he has he has so far. And you never question the, 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 the leadership from him in that position. So, you know, I think he, he said the Saints have the best quarterback room in the NFL top to bottom. If they perform all year like they looked yesterday in that in that in that practice. You know, I like it. And and we always say it's worth mentioning the offense always starts a little bit faster than the defense because the defense isn't allowed to hurt you <laughs> until until the game start. So they're a little bit of a disadvantage. They can't hit you. They can't they can't separate you from the ball the way they want to. All they can do is make hands plays on the ball. So you know, Yeah, I think it, it was the first organized team activity where we saw Olave go up for that ball and it's like, well, Marcus May probably could have tattooed him right there. Yeah, there was a play. Well, one of those completions that there was a one of those completions I just talked about to Malik Flowers. You know, it was just an in route. If he makes, if he throws that ball and he makes that catch in a game, you know, you're lucky if he survives it, let alone makes the catch. I mean, he might come off the field with a concussion. Like, that's the type of, you know, like there was someone there ready to blow him up and they have to peel off, right? Like, that's just how it works. But still, you're, you're just getting timing down. And, you know, I, I like I think Malik Flowers looks pretty good. You know, I think he's probably a guy that ends up on the practice squad. But, you know, it's good to see him getting some getting some you know, chemistry with the, with the quarterbacks. Saints having some luck with these, you know, return guys turning into, you yeah. know, flash receivers. Yeah, it's nothing new. They do it every year. So it's right. just like you kind of watch it and wait because it's like, OK, when is it going to happen? It's going to happen anyway. All right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We do a quick segment on the. Stock up, stock down. We're just going to pick one player for each and go forward. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's how we're going to close out this episode. So if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review. If you are if you haven't subscribed on YouTube and you want to do that, I highly recommend it. It's a good time. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak and Steve Geller over there at Steve Geller WWL. That's G-E-L-L-E-R. Not like Sarah Michelle. All right, y'all. Stick around. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles. And Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, 
empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.